This is Chris Hargraves from tipsforlawyers.com and I've got a problem. But that's okay, because you've got a problem too. In fact, probably most lawyers you know have this problem. And it's what we're going to talk about today. This is the Tips for Lawyers podcast episode number 15. Uh, I botched the episode numbers last time, so hopefully this time uh, it is actually episode 15 and I don't need to go and re-record an introduction correcting it later, but I'm pretty sure it is. And if it is, it means you can find the show notes at tipsforlawyers.com slash episode 015. And today we're going to have a talk about step-by-step improvement. Now, the problem we've got, and I've got, and you probably have, is perfectionism. We overthink things. Lawyers are trained to analyze every minuscule detail of every fact, of every facet, of everything that we do. And as a consequence, we get stuck in a real problem when it comes to our professional and career, which is we overthink everything and we make everything bigger than it has to be. Now, what do I mean? Let's take an example. A law firm wants to create a new website. Now, that can be a significant undertaking, obviously, and uh, in the past, I've heard of places who've charged law firms just staggering, staggering sums of money to create a website. But what they end up doing uh, is they go through a process like this. Firstly, someone says, oh, maybe we should think about getting a new website or upgrading our current website, and then uh, they have a conversation about that and they generally get caught up in a bit of a discussion you know why or what's wrong with the existing one is it mobile responsive or can anyone read it on their iPhones but not on their Windows phones or whatever and then uh, as a general rule uh, there might be a committee so we might form a little committee we might have two or three people put in charge of spearheading the process of updating or changing or putting in a new website and then the committee of course needs to think about what expert knowledge they're going to need. So do we need a website designer? Are we going to need some new content? Do we need people to have new photos for the website? And so then they think about the professionals that are involved. But by and large, what they're going to do is they're going to get probably someone to come in and do a review of the existing website. And they're going to spend a lot of money. It's going to be a consultant. They're going to spend lots of money of the firm doing a review of the website. And they're going to tell you all the things that are wrong with the existing website from their particular perspective. And then they're going to say, but that's okay because we know that we can get a new website up and running for you that's going to address all of these issues and that's going to cost you a small fortune. And once they've said that, there's another partner's meeting. The partners go, oh, well, you know, I guess they're probably right. There are all these things wrong with the website and I guess we should probably go about getting a new website because uh, we really need to and we've got this committee. So let's carry on. Let's go ahead and they authorize the expenditure and then the consultants get in. They do their work. They design a new website, there's meetings, people have to approve colors, whether it's lime green or slightly darker lime green, and there's lots of headaches and discussion, and the logo might need redoing, so you need a specialist design. And before you know it, you've probably spent 12 or 18 months to make a new website. Now, compare this, and I don't know whether you've done it, you probably haven't, I have, Uh, to setting up a website, say, with WordPress. You just want to set up a a nice little WordPress website. Tons of websites, I can tell you, are set up on WordPress, and you can do it in half an hour. Now, that might be a little bit under what the law firm actually needs, and probably the law firm's going to need more uh, than a specific WordPress website, but 
you can see the difference, can't you? On the one hand, say a sole trader, not a law firm of any size. Uh, you know, on the, my first example, chances are you're talking about a law firm with a couple of hundred people. But what about the sole trader? He goes, you know what? I don't have a website. And I feel like I'm missing out because it's 2014 and the internet will shortly take over the world if it hasn't already. And I need to develop a website. And so he goes on and he just Googles, how do I make a website? And he comes up with whatever the top result for that is at the moment. I don't know. I don't especially care. And it tells him uh, that there's a YouTube video that says how to make a website in 20 minutes, uh, which incidentally is something like I watched, I think, when I first set up my website. But um, And he does it. Sets aside the second half of the day or maybe the first half of a Saturday when he's not having to deal with clients. And he does it. There's one of him. He can make the decision. You know how much it costs him? About 50 bucks. Because he spends $4 a month on some cheap hosting that he can because tra- uh, he's using Gmail for his emails at the moment or whatever. He spends uh, a few dollars on a little bit of stock photography from iStock Photo or whatever is the most current one that people use. And lo and behold, he's got a website. Now, with that website, what he can do is he can get feedback on it. Come Monday, after he set up the website, he might send out an email to a few of his uh, favorite clients and go, hey, I just set up a website, check it out. One of them emails back going, hey, uh, Bob, I don't really actually like that picture on your website. It's not very good. Bob looks at it and goes, you know what? Maybe he's right. That wasn't the best thing. I probably did that in a bit of a hurry. And so he replaces it with a better picture. The client goes, oh, wow, Bob, that's a better picture. I really appreciate you um, taking that feedback on board. Maybe someone contacts him and says, hey, there's, there's uh, no real um, telephone number or it's not easy to find. You've hidden it in the bottom of a, of a page somewhere and I can't find your telephone number. And uh, Bob goes, you know what, that's, uh, that's right too. Maybe I need to put the telephone number somewhere. And over time, over the space of a month or two, the sole practitioner can just tweak the website and it only takes him a short time to get a website up and running that his clients are happy with, that he's happy with, there was minimal cost, but he's got something up and running. Compare that to the other firm. Compare that to the one that chose to make a mountain out of this particular issue and to spend a fortune on it and for it to take a huge amount of time. Who do you think is doing better? And it's actually not an easy answer. Because what you may find is that the product that Bob came up with, the sole trader, is inferior. He may have had a cheaper looking website. He may not have had much design skill, but what he has is a huge advantage, which is that he can be responsive. He can respond to issues that people raise from his existing clients, from people he trusts. He can get feedback. He can tweak it. And because he's in control of the process, he can manage it. It hasn't gotten out of hand. It's not too massive. He hasn't committed $150,000 to a project only to find that by the time it's finished, the technology's changed, the standards have changed, retro is back in, the colour schemes people like are different, buttons are different, technology's different, phones have all changed, platforms are different, and so he can respond to those issues as they arise. Whereas the law firm who invests a lot of money, now they may end up with a premium website after 18 months, and in the meantime, They've got to put up with what they do because the website project is underway and they don't have any ability to tweak. And so that's why lawyers have problems. We overthink things. Now, obviously, most of us can't influence those kinds of law firm-wide decisions. And so that was really just an example. But 
I wonder how much we think about those kinds of things ourselves in our own day-to-day practice, in our own career decisions, in our own professional life. And what I'm really talking about is a concept, uh, it's getting around in a few different formats at the moment. I think originally it was called the minimum viable product. And what it really means is that what you need to be able to do to be successful is to get something off the ground faster and be able to react to feedback on it. And that's the best way and the fastest way to get off the ground because the big thing you're getting that you don't get if you try and get everything perfect before you release anything is you get the opportunity for feedback. Now, I have heard it called different things today. I'm going to refer to it as minimum viable improvement. And that's really what Tips for Lawyers is about. It's about how to improve your career. And one of the critical aspects I think it would be important for us all to try and implement is the concept of minimum viable improvement. Because at the end of the day, we're mostly fine at a lot of stuff. We don't necessarily need to go and dramatically change the way we approach our professional lives. But what we can get in the habit of doing is tweaking. How do I record my time? Is there a way I could capture it more accurately? Could I do it better? These are the things we need to think about. Not just time, obviously. That was just one example. But we need to think about, are there tweaks I can make? Are there pivots I can make in the way I'm currently approaching my professional life and my professional practice that would make improvement over time? What feedback am I getting from people? How are people reacting to things? Are some styles of letter getting a better client response than other styles of letter? Are some people uh, more abrasive to us when we behave in a particular way? Do clients appreciate phone calls, emails, letters? What is working for us and what is working for a particular client? And how can we capitalize on that information to be able to tweak the way we do our day-to-day practice and approach our professional lives? So today, what I wanted to encourage you to do is to take a look at a few areas and perhaps look at a different way of developing a career plan And I use the phrase very loosely because a career plan is really uh, normally a monumental waste of time. And the career plan is the classic, classic young example, uh, young lawyer example of the law firm that I just gave. What we do is we invest heaps of time and energy and effort and thought and uh, we worry about it. What should go in our career plan? Where do we want to be in one, two, five, ten years? We get this big strategic plan under place and then we put it in a drawer in a year's time. We might dig it out when we're cleaning out our desk and we look at it and go, wow, we didn't do any of those things. They sounded great at the time. Gee, I wish I'd actually accomplished something in the time I had available to me instead of doing nothing. And so what I wanted to encourage you to do is to take a different approach to your career planning and just plan one thing, plan one improvement and then get that underway immediately. If you have an issue that needs improving, identify it, tweak it, see if it works. If it doesn't, tweak it a different way. If it does, then you are better tomorrow than you were today. And if you do that every day of every year, how much further ahead do you think you'll be Then the person who takes their career plan, spends a week doing it, puts it in a drawer and then doesn't accomplish any of it because they don't have time to go back and do it. And there's a few reasons for this. The first is that we're all really busy. That in itself is why I'm really appreciative of those of you who listen to this podcast. But the fact is all lawyers are busy all the time. And if we're not busy at work, we're busy at home. 
And so we do have a lot to do from time to time and from day to day. And so coming up with an unachievably large career plan is really not a feasible way of approaching professional improvement in our lives. We need to spread our improvement out and focus on the smaller areas that we can improve on a daily basis. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have big goals. We should have big goals. We should have things that we really want to achieve and things that we want to do better. But we need to break them down into smaller pieces so that each day we're working towards the bigger goal, but we're achieving something in the process. So rather than coming up with a plan that says, um, I'm going to achieve something colossal in the next year, come up with a plan that says, my goal is colossal thing, and tomorrow I am going to do this. So let's take an example. I want to exceed my budget by 10%. Now, what are the component pieces of exceeding your budget? The first is having enough work. The second is recording your time sufficiently so that your billable time or however it is you record what you're doing or that you actually get towards a build product uh, is accurate and is complete and is high enough to get you to 110% of the budget. The last one is, or the third one is uh, billing that time that you're recording as a general principle or billing enough of it that you're getting above budget. And the final one is getting paid. Because I'll bet your law firm doesn't count it if you don't get paid. If it's a bad debt, if you've got to sue someone to recover it, chances are that's not going towards your budget. So uh, there are some pieces there that you can be working on. And each of those also has parts of it too. Getting more work. What do you need to do to get more work internally? Does it need to be more widely known that you don't have enough work to do? Do you need to ask another partner for work rather than the one who normally refers you work? Do you need to maybe look at branching into another area? If your work group or your area is particularly slow and you have no other productive, useful things to be doing with your time, and I should say that can include networking and marketing if your firm encourages that for you at your level. So look at whether there's ways you can improve the amount of work you have. And that might involve thinking outside the box. So in our hypothetical with our goal, if that's the issue we've identified, we don't have enough work. Maybe what you might say is tomorrow, I'm going to speak to Joe Smith because Joe I know has some work in this area and I know Joe's overworked and his team always seems really busy. Maybe Joe can give me a file that I can handle that will improve my workload that will allow me to work towards that goal. Maybe the next day, you'll be focusing on getting another file. If that wasn't enough, maybe you need to go and see Mary because Mary's got a lot of work. It's not an area that you've got a huge amount of experience in, but it might be an area that you think you can nail and you know Mary well enough because you've been spending time uh, in her group or just socially or whatever. I'm just making this up. But uh, maybe you know Mary well enough that you know you can go and have a conversation that she'll give you a shot. Now, I don't know whether these specific examples work, but I'm sure you get the idea. Plan small things and then action them immediately. Maybe going to Joe didn't work. Maybe Joe doesn't have anything. Maybe Joe hates your guts, as it turns out, and doesn't want to give you anything. Maybe your partner doesn't want you going to see other partners. Well, then you need to pivot. You need to say to your partner, well, I was going to Joe because I need more work to do. What do you want me to do to get more work into my hands so that I can be exceeding my budget and providing value in that way to the firm? And have a conversation. Now, I know some partners are unapproachable and I'm not suggesting you do anything that's going to get you fired, just in case that wasn't clear. But I am suggesting that what you need to do is to take smaller steps to achieve bigger goals. And that as you do them on a constant and consistent basis, 
that you will find yourself far more advanced than the person who sits down and puts tons of effort into planning a plan only to find it unachievable at the end of the day. So break things down sensibly and smartly into component pieces and then action them immediately. Make wise decisions. If you want to write down your goals, that's fine. I've got no issue with writing down goals. I do it myself sometimes. It helps me visualize. It helps me see in black and white, is that really my goal or is my goal something else? Just thinking about it doesn't really help. Sometimes writing it down does help. But don't get married to the process of writing down the goals and having the piece of paper. Get married to the process of implementing the smaller pieces that make up the existing goal at the end of the day. Because those are the ones that are going to get there. And if you find you don't meet your goal, that's not the end of the world. Because if you were focused on the process, not the goal, then even if you don't hit the goal, you've had 365 days on a 12-month goal where you have been improving. And you've also got 365 days worth of knowledge of what works in your firm, what doesn't work in your firm, what works for you, what you've been successful at, what you've been unsuccessful at, what you'd like to try again. You are developing a pattern of trying things, of being consistently looking for improvement in your own practice and consistently looking to add value to your firm. And that, at the end of the day, is going to make you a valuable contributor. It's going to make you essential to your firm. It's going to help you stand out as someone who each year far surpasses where they were the previous year. And you can apply these techniques to anything. You can apply it to technical improvement in your field, to learning something new about the field. You can apply it to client service. You can apply it to billing processes. You can apply it to marketing and networking. Really, if there's a goal that you can set, you can apply this process to anything. And I'd really encourage you to. So look for the minimum viable improvement. There is an emphasis on viable. I'm not encouraging stupid decisions. And I'm not encouraging you to try things that make no sense. I'm encouraging you to formulate what works and what doesn't. Try it today. I look forward to hearing your feedback. Send me an email. Let me know how it goes. If you need help breaking down your goal, get in touch with me at the contact page on the website. That's pretty easy to do. I don't mind lending a little bit of a hand. Um, I do have my own life to run as well. So, uh, But if you do want to leave a comment, I'd be happy to offer some suggestions. Uh, tipsforlawyers.com slash episode 015. Thank you for listening. Strive for minimum viable improvement. And let me know how you go. I'll see you next time.